words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Father, we thank you for this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus for everything that has stressed us, for everything that has made us weak in pursuit. You said in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 12 that we should strengthen hands that hang down and feeble knees receive strength again. I pray in the name of Jesus that the entrance of a word that brings light will give us capacity to stand tall and stand firm, especially in these times when men will be holding our garments saying, show us your God. May we not be so tired we will not have right answers. May we have strength to give answers. When people ask, show us your God. When people ask, where is God? May we have the perfect answers to give. That your name shall be glorified in Jesus' precious mighty name. Slap your hands for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad to see everyone. Amen. Such a blessing, Pastor Wolf, Pastor Stacy, Uncle Bobby, Pastor Heidi. Everyone, Pastor Nigel, I salute you all. Salute every member, leader of Ecclesia Hills. Amen. We are glad that God has finally given us opportunity to, to come to serve and to be part of this wonderful gathering. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to join me on this wonderful journey. We bring you greetings from Accra, Ghana. And uh, yeah, it's not a joke traveling like this, but it's powerful. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, so I'm to share on the earnest seeker, the earnest seeker, the earnest seeker. Now, this is a very important question. In Genesis chapter 3, after God had created Adam and put him in the garden, Adam made a mistake and ate the fruit of the tree God didn't permit him to eat. And Bible said after that, Adam came to himself and became aware of his surroundings and went hiding amongst the trees. And the Bible says the Lord came looking for Adam. And when God came looking for Adam, the first question in scripture was asked, Adam, where are you? So, as always as being the nature of God, we cannot do what he has not done for us. So when we say to earnestly seek God, it is because he first sought us. So if God didn't ask, Adam, where are you? Matthew chapter 2, verse 2 wouldn't have happened. The wise man said, where is he? that is born king of the Jews. So because God first asked the question from the beginning of time, man was also able to ask the question, where is he? Where is he? And this is the power of God's prevalence. He is always previous. You didn't find God, he found you. That's the truth. He was not lost, you got lost. <laughs> so God was not lost, you got lost. And he found you. Hallelujah. But I want us to go on this powerful journey. And I believe that to put things in perspective, 
and it will satisfy our hearts, I pray so, even in Jesus' precious mighty name. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, that the things that are made or were made are seen did not come from things which do appear. Then the Bible says, through faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than his brother Abel. And because he did that, God had recompense and respect unto his sacrifice. So he being dead, yet speaks. Bible says again that by faith, Enoch walked with God. And he did not die because he was taken away. And before his death, he had this testimony that he pleased God. That's where Hebrews 11.6 comes from. So I want you to follow me. Hebrews 11.6 is a very powerful faith quotation we quote. But without faith, can we read together one to go? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he comes, okay? Hallelujah. Please, can we go to the King James Version for me? All right, King James. Yeah, this new King James. King James, all right. So this scripture is very important because of what it stands for and because of what it implies. And since we are starting the conference on the diligent pursuit, I'll get into some things in this very verse. And this is our anchor scripture we're going to use for the entire service. He says that but without faith, it is impossible. Say impossible. impossible. To please God. Amen. It is totally impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is and the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, he's saying something very crucial here. That it is by faith that we can please God. Without it, we can never please God. And when we now start pleasing God, the Bible is now saying to us that, that now he that cometh to God must first believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of them that is diligently keep. Now, by the time we get into this, you understand why many times you pray you don't get answers. There are so many things here. Now, let me, let me say this. When you take the Quran, the Quran was written by one man, Muhammad. Written in Arabic, read in Arabic, translated and interpreted in the same language. So there's no loss in translation. The Bible, unfortunately, or fortunately too, was written in three major languages. The Hebrew text, the Aramaic, which typifies the gospel, then the Greek, the Greek what do you call it, um, language. Now, and at the time, the Apostle Paul was, and all the, the apostles were writing the Greek um, text of the Bible, it was written in what we call Alexandrian Greek, what we call Hellenistic Greek. So if you go to present-day Greek and quote so many of the Greek, Greek words, a lot of them don't know what you're talking about because it's kind of colloquial Greek. It was classical Greek. All right. So after that, we had so many manuscripts, the Dead Sea Scrolls, 24,000 manuscripts of the Bible, for which cause we have so many versions today. So versions aren't errors. It's just everyone picking from manuscripts to interpret according to how they feel the culture of the time was. Amen. Now you'll be shocked. 
that the Bible is the most replicated book on earth, above all books. In fact, a scientist one did something. He, he's, he's, he's a scientist, I forgot his name. He's a, a professor in textual criticism and said that when you take, for instance, there was something that happened during President Nixon's time in the US. They had something called the Watergate issue, scandal. Now, some 40 senators and top officials were asked to keep a secret for less than a year. And by the time they realized so much pressure was up on them, in less than 20 days, all of them just blurted out. But you have people who were scorched, impaled, fried, martyred, beheaded for these same pages of scripture and they still maintain their testimony. No, it's a very serious matter. Number two, he mentioned again that when you take any controversial subject and you go to a library by at least two different authors or even ten, you realize that everyone will write their own version of the matter and they often contradict. Same profession. But strangely enough, the Bible has 40 authors. Fishermen, tradesmen, tax collectors, lawyers, farmers, doctors, you know, all sorts of professions. Virtually most of them didn't see each other, but were consistent in the stream of what God was saying through the Bible. I believe this is the most authentic book on earth. Most authentic. You know, Plato had his writings and it was replicated 24 times. And out of the 24 times, it had a margin, marginal error of about 70%. Then Aristotle, about 100 different manuscripts. When we say manuscript, handwritten documents, verbal transmissions. And that also had the same margin of error. But the Bible, in fact, only the New Testament has 24,000 manuscripts. And when you run the textual accuracy of it, it's 99.9% linked to the Dusty Scrolls found in the Red Sea. Too accurate. Alexander the Great met Daniel. In fact, Daniel had prophesied about Alexander the Great. And at the time he was invading Israel, the priest stood up and said, Oh, King, live forever. He said, Why? And he says, don't destroy this town. He says, why, why shouldn't I destroy it? He says, I want to show you that my God has already described you. And he went to Daniel chapter 10 and he says, as soon as the king of Persia is gone, the prince of Grecia shall come. And he described Alexandra in details. Usually a king must pass on the kingdom to his children. But in the Bible, the Bible says, when the king of Grecia came, the empire was split into four. Alexandra didn't give the kingdom to his son. He gave it to his four generals. Ptolemy and all that, and they split it. He said, divide it amongst the strong. So everything Daniel said, very true. I'm just saying this to encourage somebody. Don't get confused about this. The internet is full of a lot of things. The Bible is true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So having said this, you can believe what I'm going to say now. But <laughs> without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now, the reason why I said what I just said was that, now, in the Greek language, there are tenses. There's something we call the passive tense. Passive tense is also in English. Then we have the active tense. But in the English language, we don't often see the middle voice. There's something called the middle voice or middle tense. 
Now, active means the person is, the, the, the subject is, you know, very much in the action. Passive, he's the recipient. But middle means he is both in the action and the receiving. Hallelujah. In this situation, there's another tense that is used here. And I want to explain it for us to understand what the apostle was saying. He says, now without faith, it is impossible to please him. Now the word to please him here is in the aorist infinitive. And aorist infinitive, the word aorist means it is past, eternal, already done. But he adds another aspect to the aorist tense and says it's aorist infinitive. Don't worry if you don't get it. I just want to get your mind to know what the sentence is meaning. And that infinitive implies that. This is what God has done in eternity. But at any time you subscribe to this, whatever will follow, will follow. That's what it means. That's the meaning of the tense. So it means that, but without faith, it is impossible. It means in eternity, this is true. And in the future, it will be true. So he said it way before even the apostle caught the revelation to say it. And even as he's saying it at that time, we, after many years, once we catch the revelation, can access, once we catch this revelation. Then he says that, for he that cometh to God. Now, the word cometh there is also in the present participle. What it means is this, that the action is ongoing. It means that he that keeps coming. So this has nothing to do with salvation. It's more than this. He that keeps coming. And he's also saying that because it's aorist infinitive, it means that sometimes, though you are born again, you might not come with faith. So though you are a Christian and you came in fear, this is not going to work. <laughs> because he's saying that any time I'm without faith, even though he's my father, it's impossible. That's what it means. <laughs> At any time. So the action is not definite. It means that at any time you subscribe to that action, it's going to provoke this truth. And he didn't say you come once. He said you keep coming to God. Must first believe. And the word believe there again is also present participle, which means must be believing. Constant believing. That, and I like this. He says that he is. Now we know he is. It's actually the, you know, the third person description of a person. Jehovah calls himself I am. So he is calling himself the I am that I am. But because he's writing to a third person, you know, he's related to the third person, he's now saying that you must now believe that I am is he. I, I don't know if you... So he is means that when you come to God, you must know he's I am. And I am is an open check. Because when he met Moses... In Exodus chapter 3, he said, my name is I am that I am. In fact, he told Moses in Exodus 3 that your fathers knew me as almighty, El Shaddai, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In fact, they called me Jehovah Jireh in Genesis chapter 22 from 8 and 14 because I provided the lamb. But that's not my name. <laughs> my name is not Bielaharoi because I provided the well. And Hagar said, behold, the Lord sees me. It is man who called me that. My real name is I am. <laughs> it means that I am whatever I will be. 
I am that I am, not I was, I am. I am that I am. That is the open blank. I mean, it's a blank check, beloved. And it's actually speaking of the almightiness of God. He is the self-existent selfhood. What it means to say is that when God is seated, he's not on a chair. Oh, have you not read what the Bible says? When the Bible calls the throne of God, it's not a chair. It's heaven. <laughs> so the throne of God is not a place God sits. No wonder when Jesse Duplantis went to heaven. He said he was looking for God, but he kept seeing Jesus. Do you know God? Psalm 113, 4 and 5 says, Thou art a God that humbleth thyself to behold heaven. It means for God to look at heaven, he has to reduce his, his Godhood. To look at heaven, God has to reduce, he has to reduce himself to be smaller than God. <laughs> oh, you must know God. You must know God. You must know God. You must know God. If you don't know who you are seeking, you might catch an apparition. You might meet a phantom and you might be deceived. But you must know God. You must know God. You must know God. You must believe I am. You must believe that I am. The one I'm coming to is the I am. He's the blank check. In case they didn't know who I am was. Because he told Moses, if they don't believe you by the first sign, they'll believe by the second. The first sign was the name I am. And they didn't care. But the Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter 5, when Moses got to Israel, Exodus chapter 4 and 5, when he got to Israel, he had to do miracles before the elders led him to Pharaoh. Because they didn't know who I am was. It's been 200 years plus. They've lost knowledge of I am. But when he finally showed up, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And I like how he typified his coming to Moses. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when he showed up, he began to feed people in John chapter 6, 5,000 people. And after the feeding, he stood up and said, I am the bread of life. Because when I told you I am, you are wondering what I was. But I am the bread of life. I'm the open check. Anyone that eateth me shall never perish again. Then it didn't end there. After he said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, some gentlemen had found a woman in the act of adultery and brought her to Jesus for Jesus to stone, for them to stone before Jesus. And as soon as they got there, they quoted the law. That according to the law of Moses, anyone found in adultery must be stoned. And Jesus, the Bible said Jesus stooped down and began to write. Now, if you read the account very well, Jesus didn't go outside the temple. They were in the temple. And in the Jewish temple, it was not sand as you see it. It was slabs stone slabs so Jesus knelt down and began to write because they had quoted the law and the law was given on stony slabs he also wrote on the, on the floor he says so if you've quoted the law the law also says before you stone a man you must also be free from the sin you have come to stone so he said he that is without sin let him cast the first stone then he tells me they were visiting the brothels themselves <laughs> so they all dropped the stones then Bible says when they dropped the stones Jesus stooped down again and said and started writing again. And as he started writing, the Bible said, he asked the woman, where are thy progenitors, your accusers? He said, I do not see them. He said, then I condemn thee not. He wrote the second time. Why? The law was given twice. The first one, 
the men saw him right. Because when Moses came, when they were celebrating, they saw the law and he broke it. But the second time the law was given, no one saw it. They went to put it in the ark. So when Jesus was writing the second time, the people had left and he was writing with the lady. <laughs> and he stood up and said, if they condemn you not, I also condemn you not. Then as soon as he was done, he said, I am the light of the world. Why? The law that was given was in darkness, but I am the light that explains the law. I am the illumination to the law. I show the virtues, the verities of God through the law. I am the light of the world. And they came one day, destitute and frustrated. He said, I'm the good shepherd. Then after saying he's the good shepherd, he said, I'm the door. Then they came to him, Thomas doubting. He said, Lord, who art thou? Show us the... He said, Lord, Lord. Then he said, show us this way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to the Father except by me. And do you know scripture calls Israel the vine? In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. <laughs> so he came to show his sevenfold I amness to validate the I am, that I am has come to be with you. Do you know the shocking part? One day in John chapter 18, from verse 1 to 3, they had come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus was the one. Usually the disciples should be the one to ask the question. But the master himself went to meet them. And he said, whom seek ye? Then the people also answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Then Jesus also said, I am he. In fact, the King James caused the problem. There's an italic there. It was supplied by the translators to read the sentence well. But Jesus didn't answer, I am he. He actually said, I am. So actually in the Hebrew, this is what happened. They came and they asked him, whom seek ye? Then the people answered, Jesus, Yeshua. Then Jesus also answered, Jehovah. <laughs> so when he answered Jehovah, the people fell down. <laughs> because he was trying to tell them that if you are seeking Yeshua, Yeshua is Jehovah. He said, whom seek ye? Yeshua. And Jesus said, oh, Jehovah. <laughs> because Yeshua is Jehovah. If you doubt who Jesus is, he is the everlasting father. That's part of his name. He is the everlasting father. How can the son be the everlasting father? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. That means father in the eternities. Why am I saying what I'm saying? You must know who you have come to. Hmm, you must know. The ancient of days. He is ancient. And the whiteness of his hair is not because it's gray. Now, gray is the fading of black. White is an original color. So Jesus has white hair, not because he is old. So if you go to heaven now, the glorious son of God is a 33-year-old man with white hair. <laughs> it speaks of immortality, not aging. It's not an age. It's not an age is as a result of the fall. Immortality means that's how he has been from ancient. His hair was white. There's a diligent pursuit we must be in. But if you don't know who you are looking for, won't you be lost? You can have imposters because you don't know whom you are looking for. Today, there are so, so many imposter Christ, so many imposter God. That's why a lot of us are getting disappointed. Beloved, I tell you the truth on authority of the gospel. And by the experience of the glorious things that have gone ahead of us, no one who has found the real God ever gets disappointed. If you know God, there's no disappointment in him. Oh, you know, you know, you know, you know whom you are believing. You just know that God is not out to play tricks on you. He's the Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are still in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. 
Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Are you here? Are you sure you are here? All right. So he says that now, he that cometh to God must first believe that he is. And he is the reward. Now the word reward that there is the word Mr. Podotis. Mr. Podotis is actually different from a... Mr. Podotis, the word reward is Mr. Podosia. But Mr. Podotis is a... It's, it's, like a, it's like a payment officer. It's like a salaried, the one who pays your salary. But with the word Mr. Podosia, from two words, Mr. and Podosia. Now, this actually is like, many of us have, those who have worked in corporate society before, you notice that sometimes, according to the job you do, there are certain benefits. You have a, you have a car allowance, food allowance, there are certain benefits. But when it comes to God, God's benefits for the name they call God, Mr. Producer, is beyond what the earthly person does. In the earthly sense, when you are to come to work and you have received an allowance for, for instance, fuel or car, and you are unable to come to work, your not showing up to work can cost you. And even when you show up to work in spite of all the circumstances you go through, it doesn't change your allowance. Now that does it change your salary. But when it comes to God, who is the rewarder? God does not pay you based on what he discussed with you. He pays you on what you went through to get to how you came to do what you did outside the box of his request on your life. So it's like, let me even put it this way. The whole goal of judgment is for God to pay you for allowing him to live through you. That's it. It's allowance. How much of the believer's allowance for God to live and be himself in us is what he will reward us for. That's it. That's the truth. That's the whole goal. So as you walk, how much of him that he was able to say, he was able to express life through you. That's why he will say thank you. God is not going to reward you for being a Christian because he bled for you. So there's no reward in that. He is going to reward you for allowing Allowing him. Oh, Samba Korea Talashalabas. But I thank God for his reward. Beloved, do you know what he said in Matthew chapter 10, from 41 to 42? He said, Even him that given a cup of water to this child has given to me, and I will pay him back. God will even pay you for giving water. I'm telling you, he will, the, the minutest things. For calling somebody at the right time, there's a payment for him. That's Mr. Podosia. He will pay you for everything. For going through what you were going through. You know, I've seen pastors who are dealing with pain and encouraging others and healing them of pain. Can you imagine? The paradox of Christ. The man is bleeding and struggling to the cross, the Via de la Rosa, on the way to Calvary. And the woman is weeping and saying, weep not. <laughs> Can you imagine? He said, I don't need your cry. He's rather encouraging her. Begin to preserve your tears for your children. Something is coming. <laughs> That's the paradox of Christianity. Hanging on the cross in pain, yet he does not abnegate responsibility. A lot of us, a little pain. Ah, the church people are not caring. Nobody even called me. What kind of Christ is this? Let me tell you, Jesus on the cross, all disciples had left him. He didn't weep. Oh, oh, oh. What a ministry. <laughs> oh, he hung. 
he hung even his enemies he said father forgive them for they know not what they are doing and on the cross a lot of us when we are in pain we forget everybody we want attention we want to be the center of life we want to be the revolution of situation but Jesus on the cross forgot himself and said, Mother, behold thy son. He was actually transferring responsibility of his mother to his disciple. John, take care of my mother, even on the cross. I'm, I'm telling you, he's the rewarder. <laughs> so all the times you were down and God still allowed you to encourage someone, there's a reward. Do it well and smile through it. There's a reward. This is not our life. We are passing through. F is a dress rehearsal for the University of Glory. There is coming a dispensation, a civilization where presidents cannot deceive again. I'm telling you, he is going to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He will rule in Zion. So is that I pray for you that we will have that consciousness to pursue. Always know there's a reward. He said, your labor of love shall never be in vain. Not, not one, not one, not one. I'm you, you don't take, you, you, you have no idea. For making someone laugh, for making someone go like, ah, so there is God. Ah, so there is God. One of the prayers I pray as a pastor, I never pray to... I used to hear people pray, Father, make me the most powerful man of God. And one day I started praying it too as a young minister. God says, stop that. He said, laser is powerful, but it's not useful. <laughs> stop praying for, be useful, that's all. Because sometimes the usefulness of God will make you look weak. Yet you are being useful. Sometimes to make you share your weaknesses so that someone will be like, hey, so if you go through this, I'm telling you, he's the rewarder. I want to encourage somebody he can reward, he will reward you. I'm telling you. And if you only knew what this reward is about, eh, in heaven right now, in the grandstands of eternity, Moses, Elijah, Samson, Daniel, all of them are wishing we were in this corona season. I wish I was. Because they know that this is the final days. And this, we are the ones slated for the greater glory. I'm telling you. You have no idea. That will keep the faith. Muntala Shaya. They wish they were in our time because this is the fine. In fact, one day I saw, I, I read a book and it says there was, there was joy in heaven. And why was there joy in heaven? The angels were flying to and fro before the throne of God. Why? Because the final battle was coming. Because God was come to truncate the sufferings of humanity. Beloved, this is, that's why he said, when you hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be discouraged because your redemption is now. Beloved, if your redemption is coming, shouldn't be celebrating. This is a time of joy. This is our time of joy. But a lot of us don't know our God. So we are, we are like, why is like, no, no, no. This is our time of joy. Beloved, you, it, it, it's worth it. I know it's worth it. Not substituting and coming down below your standard. And you have gone through all the things you have gone through up to now. It's worth it. Mr. Producer. There's a reward. There's a reward. There's a reward. See, there's a reward. Now, how would this be achieved? It is by diligently seeking. Say, diligently seeking. Now, the word diligent here is actually indicative of an investigation. 
So on one level, it means he is the rewarder of them who investigatively look for him. So this is not talking about surface engagement. It's an investigation. Investigation. You want to investigate God. Hmm. Investigation. <laughs> On the other hand, it means to seek out as you would a prey or seek out a target. So in this regard, he's saying that those who are going to receive the reward, they will do so and receive it so because God is their target. God is their target. But the one I really want to touch on is Exetio. And Exetio actually means crave. So he said he is the rewarder of them that cravingly seek him. It means that these people are junkies. <laughs> are you in church? You have become, a, it's like without God, you are sick. Like, 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 no, no, no. You have, you have, it's like, God is absent, so you have withdrawal syndrome. Like, no, no, no. When you get close to sin and become canal, it's like, mm, you are, you are, like, no, 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 no. You feel like, like, you are, some, no, 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 no. Like, this, it's like a drag read. Yeah, you are uneasy. I'm t- there's a realm like that. And these are the people we are talking about. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in scripture, there are two main people that were typified of a thirst or a crave. The first people were actually the Korah in Psalm 42. He said to the chief musician, Emmashiel, for the sons of Korah, as the heart panted after the water brooks, so shall my soul pant after thee. He said, I shall diligently seek out the Lord, the living God. Can you put it there? Psalm 42 verse 2. He shall diligently, he shall seek out the Lord, even the living God. The Lord is his Lord. Even the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? So he's saying that he's panting like a junkie, looking for the opportunity to appear before God again. <laughs> when you have this craving syndrome, church you just, you just can't miss church. You just can't miss the fellowship of the brethren. You just can't put any other thing above your prayer time in your room. Nothing will suffer. You, you'll be watching TV and something's happening to you. It's like you are having a literal, a literal vibration because no, we have not touched base with God. When shall I appear before God? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. When shall I appear before God? Korabashadabasa. <laughs> And verse 3, see what verse 3 said. He said, my tears have been my meat day and night. Why is his tears meat day and night? He is crying not because of circumstances. He is crying not because he has not got a miracle. He is crying because the Lord has not yet appeared. He said, wow, they continually say unto me. Because people are realizing that without having touched base with God, I look like something I'm not supposed to look like. So the people are asking, where is thy God? Kobala. There's a new craving. All that matters. And I'll show you why it's like that. 
You know, Isaiah says something very interesting. In Isaiah chapter 43, the verse number 7, he says, Now even every man whom I have called by my name, I created him for my glory. I formed him, yea, I made him. Isaiah 43, verse 7. So you and I seated here were created for God's glory. Your whole purpose is God. Nothing about you is outside. If everything about you is God. The devil has managed to systematize the world. In fact, the Bible calls him 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It said, the God of this world who has, who has blinded their eyes and the God of the systems of this world has blinded their eyes. Satan systematized the world. Education is from the church. Oh, yes. Science is from the church. Do you know what science is? You know, when we say science, it sounds English. No, it's Latin. That's why you get the word omniscience. Let me say it, omniscience. So science is an attempt to describe God through knowledge. <laughs> it's not apart from God. No. Aristotle in the days said, the F is flat and at the end of the horizon you fall off. But God long before that said in Job chapter 26, he hung the F on nothing. He described the F geographically without going to space. Job 38 said, Has thou called Mazarut and his sons to go thy way? Has thou named the zodiacs in the heavens? They are not going to space, but Adam named these constellations. It's man's, you see, it's the devil systematizing the world. Your business is not outside God, it's for God. If you knew this, it would change a lot of things. God owns your business owns your bank accounts. Let somebody shut it down. You will sleep and tell God that since they are closing your account and you are happy, allow. You will not fret a single day if you come to the revelation that you were created for his glory. Everything about you is for his glory. <laughs> your appearance, your education, all for his glory. There was a man called Huramabi who was called by Solomon to come from Tarshish with his skill in craftsmanship to help him perfect the temple of God. Yet he was trained in secular university in the land of Dan. Or should I talk about Paul? Should I talk about Peter? Should I Many people having secular training, yet God using them. Have you ever asked yourself a simple question? God wanted Joseph to be savior of Israel, right? But why did he have to go through what he went through? For his glory. Do you know what Psalm 105 said? He said, touch not my anointed or do my prophets any harm. Then he said, God rebuked kings and instructed elders for their, for, for their sake. Then he came to say something. He said, now God sent a man. His name was Joseph. And he was bound with fetters and held by chains in prison. But before God sent him, God sent a famine. So there was action that was coming. God took Joseph to take the lead into Egypt before Israel was able to be. So the imprisonment of Joseph was the preservation of his family. <laughs> because if he came as a sovereign nation's prince, the son of Jacob, he would have never been taught agricultural practices of the land. 
So God sent him to. And it was too late for him to be trained in their educational system. So the best way to learn the trade, law, commerce of the nation was prison. Because in prison, you have all sorts of aristocrats there. So that was his educational system. Why else do you think it was bad? No wonder the day he met his brothers and he began to weep and they were begging for forgiveness. He said, oh no, you meant it for evil. But behind the scenes, God meant it for good. I'm going to tell you something today. If you understand that you are created for his glory, everything you have been through is for his glory. And I will say this by reason of what God said to me. He said, Adam, the day you come to heaven, he said, on earth you keep saying you want to ask questions. Why did I go through this? Why did this happen to me? God said to me, he said, the day you show up before me, you will tell me rather that let me go and let it double because I didn't understand. Like what I went through, I caught pain. If this is the reason, I want to come back. Double it. Because your light affliction, which worked, is a worked for you an eternal weight of glory. Beloved, your afflictions are investment accounts. On that day, on that day, God will bring out your account record and say, listen, all that you went through, you didn't deny me. Get this reward. You will tell God that this what is it. Send me again. I want to go through that situation and double the fee. If you only knew. Hallelujah. The sons of Korah began to cry. They were asking. Because this Korah was actually part of the tribe of the priesthood. In fact, from his tribe came Samuel, the prophet. The Korahites. So we had Cadmiel, the Korahites, the Gittites and Eliezer. So that's how we had the priestly stream. And Korah was part of the priestly stream. And in number 16, they came to Moses and said, is it only your family that can be priests and leaders here? We too, our family is part of the lineage. We too, we can have priests here. So he says, okay, let all the elders of the families of Levi bring their rods. And that's how God emphasized that it is the house of Moses that was designated by God to be the leader at the time. That's Korah. And Bible says after he did that, Abiata and Datan, the earth was open and they were swallowed and they died. But he wrote a psalm. The word marshal means a psalm giving instructions to his children. So he wrote a psalm to his children to advise them as to what to do. He said, listen, this is the secret. As the heart panted for dear life after the waters, so my soul pants after him. Then there came another man. I'm sure as we go on, I'll touch on those things. But there came another man called David. And as for David, oh my God, David, David, David. Above his class, ahead of his time. No, David was, I think, I know, David. He's the only man, that, if you check the Old Testament, you never see the word holy, Holy Spirit. All you see is spirit, spirit, the spirit upon, the spirit of. It's only David who used the terminology, take not your holy, and that was even in sin. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. He knew something called the Holy Spirit as the highest commodity beyond his kingdom. He said, take the kingdom, take my children, but the Holy Spirit, mm -mm, he should be with me. In sin. <laughs> he found something in his search. You know, Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, 7, Acts, that you what? You receive 
seek that he may find, knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Do you know, be, be your, between asking and knocking is seeking. And seeking is not as we think. You know, sometimes we go like, you know, I want to seek. I want to, you know, Bible says you ask. A lot of us also stay at ask. A lot of us also don't understand seeking. Seeking is not to get answers. Seeking is to understand ways. So in seeking, you find. You are not answered. You are, in seeking, you find. You come to a place of a path. In seeking, you are set on a course. In seeking, you understand why you must go through this. In seeking, you understand why you are denied this. In seeking, when Psalm 103 verse 7 said, and God showed unto Moses his ways and unto Israel his acts. The reason why that happened was that when Moses was now about to die, and God, because God now told him the first time, he said, I'm going to kill these people and make you king. He said, no, 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 no. You can't kill them. No, how can you kill these people? He defended Israel. The very people he defended were the very people who caused him not to enter his promised land. So the next time God now told him that you enter the promised land, he said, I've learned by reason of years and by reason of experience not to argue with you. If you say, I don't go, yes, sir. I've understood your ways now. Do you know why? Because God had a better plan. God was not punishing Moses. Do you know, in Matthew chapter 17, these men who were sleeping and drowsy opened their eyes from their slumber and they saw a man, Moses, and they saw Jesus, and they saw Elijah. No prophet in history ever had the opportunity to prophesy about the Messiah and stand by his side. But when Moses allowed God not to allow him to enter the promised land, God said, you will enter the promised land by in another way. I know you're confused, it's not a vision. That was not a vision because if three men can see the same thing at the same time, it's past vision, it was literal. That's why I told them, don't tell anyone. Hmm. He literally stood there because God has something better for them. I'm showing you a secret today. If you earnestly see God, there are so many things you will not even fight God about. Of course, there are things you will know that this is demonic. Deal with it. There are other things you realize this one, allow it. It's part of the course. It's part of the training. David now stood in Psalm 63 and said, The Psalm of David in the wilderness of Judea, O Lord my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsted for thee. My flesh longeth craving. My flesh is longing, unquenchable longing for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy glory and thy power as so has been in the sanctuary for thy loving kindness is better than life listen he is something serious is happening here he is in the wilderness situation there is no water but he's rather praising in prayer because he understands that this is a picture of the training I must go through. There is no water here, but this quest for water is not the quest of the real water I'm looking for. Why? Because he went ahead of time in John chapter 4. A woman who had issues in the city of Samaria decided that since everybody fetches water around noon, um, late evening, around the uh, 11th hour, that is actually 5 o'clock in the evening, before the day ends, this woman decided that I'm not going to fetch water at noon because the sun is so scorching women don't fetch water at that time 
But she says that because there's a scandal on her, she has to go in the afternoon. Because she's the talk of the town. So she waited for no one to be at the well. Then she went to fetch her water. And Bible says when she went at noon, before she got there, Jesus was already seated. Ah! And prior to this in John 4, he says from the place Jesus had to go to, to where he needed to be, he didn't need to pass through Samaria, but Jesus must needs pass through Samaria just for this woman. Just for this woman. I'm telling you something today. If you know what it means for you to be saved, Jesus crossed rivers. You see, when a man betrothed himself in the Kedishin, the Hebrew uh, wedding ceremony to his wife, he gives a promise that the hour and the moment knoweth no man but my father alone. So when the son goes, what happens is that the father now sends the son come to come back for his bride. And when he's coming, he will cross rivers. He will cross lakes. He will cross mountains just for his wife. Jesus didn't just cross rivers. He didn't just cross continents. He went beyond continents. He crossed planets. Didn't just cross planets. He broke dimensions. Didn't just break dimensions. He broke codes in the heavenlies. It is called the traffic in Psalm 19 of the bridegroom. His entire circuit is to the heavens. He went through the entire circuit of the heavens. It means the path of the first, second, third heavens. He broke all of it and came down. And when he came down to the earth, he broke the planetarium because if he enters the earth, Bible said the earth is his footstool, but the man has come to enter earth. So he's breaking barriers. And when he broke the barriers, the elves Shaddai, the multi-breasted one is suckling on a single breast and he's in the lap of a woman who is now breastfeeding the almighty multi-breasted one he's relying on a woman for life supply it was so irreversible even in glory he ascended as a man he couldn't even change it he had to carry the manhood into glory but that's how he broke barriers for you and I it's a God to seek Every deity will collect blood at the shrine. But he broke another barrier of the rituals of the ages. This deity didn't collect our blood. He gave us his blood. Who does not? Who he is well seeking. He is well seeking. And I'm telling you, he is not looking for me to be perfect. He says, whilst you were dead in your sins, he quickened you and made you sit together with him in heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers over every throne and dominion. Beloved, I came to announce to somebody, there is a quest. There is a craving. If there is anything you will be addicted to, it is an addiction of God that will liberate you from any other addiction. I was praying one day, sir, and I asked God, why is there addiction? Where from it? God said, it is in you. I said, what do you mean? God said to me, say, I created addiction for me. But the moment you took me out, you found other things to be addicted to. Then God said to me, show me a man addicted to God. Nothing will be his addiction. Nothing will be. So the solution to all addictions, the reason why a lot of us have used therapy, we have seen psychologists, we have gone for deliverance sessions and the addiction has not ended is because the house is empty and we have not filled it with God. I'm addicted to God. I'm addicted to prayer. I'm addicted to the word. I'm addicted to giving. I'm addicted to praying. I'm addicted to worship. I'm addicted to outreach. I'm addicted to evangelism. The addiction of God. 
that's what David said. My flesh is longing for you like a junkie. I'm addicted. Something about God makes me okay. I just got to be okay. God should be around. I'm fine. And when you get to that place, anywhere God isn't, you will feel it. Because you are an addict for God. You are a God addict. So you know this is not it. When the junkie takes bad goods, he knows this is placebo. It is, it's water. It is powder. It's not the real thing. When a man who has seen God experiences God, anything lower than God will not suffice. Because I'm addicted to God. I'm addicted to God. I'm addicted to God. This afternoon and this early morning, late morning, I call you to a God addiction. Tell God. When I come close, when I prayed, I said, ah, no, how can a young man keep his way pure? He said, by keeping his wedding high. I said, okay, Lord, that's powerful. But I want to come to a place where in the radius of sin, let me feel nauseous. So anytime it's not God and it's satanic, I feel like I'm feeling sick. My, I know it's, it's, I'm outside God. <laughs> I pray a young man prays that prayer. Because in this world, you need to pray and say, Lord, anyone who is going to take me away from me, let me be nauseous. So the person has to feel like vomiting. I'm, like, you are having physical symptoms to this addiction withdrawal from God. Say, I'm a God addict. Oh, say it with conviction. I'm a God addict. And as David was crying and praying, he sought. He sought and sought and sought. And as he sought, I came to understand why David found this. In his day, he was beyond his fellows. In his time, people were seeking the hand of God, which is his power, what God can do. Others were seeking the eyes of God, which is his presence, favor. But David went beyond all that. He sought for the heart of God. He wanted God's heart. He wanted what is, what is in God that makes God God. That's why God said, he's, listen to the language, God said he's a man, not that I love him more. He is after my heart. He is chasing to pull my heart out of my chest. He said, that's David. A man after my heart. So his whole life quest is God's heart. Oh, I wish you understood this. That is what caused David preservation in his assignment. Bible says in spite of all David did, because God promised David, even Jesus had to come from his seed in spite of his mistakes. In spite of all David's mistakes, because he's a man after God's own heart, in the new Jerusalem, Jesus will sit on one throne, David will sit by his side. After all his errors. Because he's a man after God's own heart. There's something about being after God's heart. No matter how many times you fall, no matter how many mistakes you make, no matter how many slips you slip, you're still coming back saying, I still want you. <laughs> You'll never leave him. Like you just wake up one morning and say, God, <laughs> I know I've done many horrible things, but today I'm coming. If you don't like me, I'll show up. And God's like, ah, I'm coming. A man is an addiction. Supernatural addiction. That's the place nobody has to advise you to pray. You will be a prayer warrior for till Jesus comes. No, no, no. That place you don't need. It's a place you get to where stirrings are just to upgrade you to next levels. Not to bring you from lower levels. No, 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 no. It's a place you can maintain a hot prayer life for 30 years. 
because you're an addict. It's the only thing that location cannot fight. In America, you are the same. Wherever you are, whoever invites you, the same. You can't hide. Show up. Addict. He found God's heart. Then I remembered in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, there was a young man that was born called Enos. And this Enos, Bible says, in the day when he was born, then men began to call upon God. Now I was wondering, how come after Seth also gave birth to a son, he called his name Enos, and his name Men, in this day, men began to call on the name of the Lord. So I was wondering what was going on here. Then I went to check the meaning of his name, which explained why men called on the name of the Lord. Enos means frail. So he says in the day, and, and I'll show you why this was so. Enos means frail. So this time, people were calling on God, not because they liked God. Not because they were after God's heart. It's because they were in trouble. And this is the dispensation we find ourselves in. Corona people rededicated their lives to Christ. April 2020. Oh my God. See people's status. Lord, forget prosperity. Forget car. Forget the marriage. All I want to do is to be alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody rededicated. Everybody was online listening to a service. Nobody was spiritual because this Corona thing and the way, you know, some people too, took it fire and went, say, 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 like, hey, Antichrist is around. We are, we are ready. This is, <laughs> this is the Antichrist. Like, Jesus. Everybody was just serious with the Lord. That is Enosh because you are frail. I'm not saying when you are frail, don't call on him. But I'm saying the whole reason is because you are in trouble. So you are calling on God. I bet you, the moment is done, you'll go back. Because there's no more trouble. Things are fine. So you are still chilling again. You're having fun because there's no trouble. So God is watching you. Now, these people had in his dispensation in us. The Bible mentions in Genesis 5, the lineage of Seth, which were different from the lineage of Cain. And in Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says, And Adam, after he had lost Cain and had died, the Bible says he begat another son after his own likeness. I think Genesis chapter 5 is 3. He begat another son after his own likeness, and he named him Seth. The Bible says he was 130 years when he begat Seth. And when he begat Seth, Seth also grew. Adam lived to be 130 years. Then Seth also grew to be 105 and begat a son called Enos. And when Enos also grew, he was 90 when he gave birth to another son called Kyanan. Then at age 70, Kyanan gave birth to a son called Mahalel. Mahalel also grew up to be 65 and gave birth to a son called Jared. But Jared lived to be 162 and gave birth to a son called Enoch. And when Enoch was 65, gave birth to Methuselah. And Methuselah, when he was 185, gave birth to a son called Lamech. 
Lamech grew up to be 182 years and gave birth to a son called Noah. These were the, the generations of Seth before the flood. Follow me very well. And Noah also, when he was 500 years, gave birth to triplets, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. They were triplets. Hallelujah. Now, what is happening here is this. This Enosh had a great-grandson called Enoch. But whereas Enosh in his time, people called unto the name of God because of frailty. Enoch showed up and chose not to call on the name of the Lord, but to walk with God. So there's a step beyond calling God to help you in your problem and moving to the place where he has helped me with my problem and there's no one I'm ready to go to. So I'm stuck here, walking with God. That is where Enoch found the thing. And when Enoch, after giving birth to his son, verse 25, verse 24 of Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says, and when he had given birth to Methuselah, he was 65 years, verse 22, but 65, uh, verse 24 says that, and he was now, after he had given birth to Methuselah, he began to walk with God. And God took him. He was not found. One day he went to town, taking a stroll in the field. He didn't come home again. God took him. They looked for his body to date. God took him. Why did God take this man? <laughs> Why did God take this man? And this is what I want to show you today. When God created man, he created man for his glory. Everything man had to do. That's why I made us check Genesis 5 verse 2, verse 3, sorry. That Adam now begat a son after his own likeness. It was not the agenda of God. This is the beginning of mankind. Genesis 5, 3. This is the beginning of mankind. What God intended was to have a human being called God mankind. But when man left God, now their children, look at it. When God created Adam, he created Adam in his own likeness. Now man has his own identity now because of the fruit. So now Adam's children are his own likeness, not God's likeness. So now they have to find God. Whereas in Genesis, because God created man after his likeness, when man went off, God was the one who looked for him. When Jesus came, he reversed it back to the original. We were on our own looking for him once in a while. Our grandmothers, our mothers, our aunties, the past church. God will do something. Then someone will say, oh, because of how God helped me, let me stay in the Catholic church. I prayed. But when we came to Christ, he now found us. Now, this is what I want you to see. There were two streams. There were two streams. One stream was a stream of Cain. From verse 17 of Genesis chapter 4, the Bible says that Cain begat a son and named him Enoch. And he named a city after that place, Enoch. So he, named, he created the city and put the son's name on it. So the city was called Enoch. And Enoch begat a son called Irad. And, you know, they named the son after the, the place, the, the city after the place, Enoch. Then after he begat Irad, Irad also begat, uh -huh, that's it, Methusael, Mehujahel, then Methusael, then Methusael begat Lamech. Then when they came to Lamech, this is the guy who caused the proliferation of the, the Canaanite descendants. Lamech, took two wives unto himself. Ada, Ada, this is an Igbo, Ada is Igbo, eh? Yeah, so one of his wives was Igbo, Ada, and Zila, Zila will be from North, yes. from Sokoto or something, North Virginia. So he had two wives, <laughs> this is a joke. 
Pastor Mo said, this was, it was a joke. This was also a joke. In case you don't get my jokes, it's a joke. Hallelujah. Now, now Adam begat two children, Jabal and Jubal. Zila also begat two children, Tubal Cain and Nama. Now, Jabal, Bible says, when he was begotten, now notice something. They are living, but from what I quoted in Genesis 5, their years aren't mentioned. And Zila bare a son to Barkay, an instructor and an artificer in brass and iron. He began to create swords, shields, weapons. Nama was actually the founder of makeup. Now, explain something. Explain something. Can I say something? Please, can I feel free to say something? Don't, don't be tense, okay? My wife wears makeup, so I'm not coming to bash makeup. Sometimes I say makeup, someone said Jesus, because of Jesus. <laughs> can I say this? Yes. The swords, the shield, everything that man has, that unfortunately some teachings have created as if came from the underworld, were theft of patents. Satan stole patents of armory and weapons from heaven. Satan is not a creator. He is not that ingenious. He's smart. He knows how to use resources. He didn't create a people to follow him. The reason why he led one third was because there were three major archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. And Lucifer's batch, so there were three categories in heaven. So he, the people who followed him were the people under his command. Not because he created sunset. So he brought them with the intelligence of heaven. And he came to teach man before time. You see, the thing about God is, he operates his calendar according to time. And the time is like Pastor Chintok shared at the, this, the positioning of adoption. When you come to the place where you are no more a child, you can have access to be Lord of all. But once you're a child, you can't access all God has. That's why immaturity will cost you in God. Because you're a baby. You don't give your baby car keys. No matter how the baby cries, car, 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 you won't drive it. Why should God do any, any different? But so many babies want to drive in the spirit. If you only knew what, what you fight at some levels, you'll be in a hurry to rather grow than to expose yourself. The greatest tragedy in life. Yes. Early exposure. But I often say it this way. is to be successful before you are ready. A lot of people are successful, but they are not ready for their success. Because Psalm 1 verse 1 said, Blessed, Amplified said, to be envied. So the picture of blessing is higher envy. If you are not built to handle envy, don't ask for blessing. Because they will envy you. They will downgrade it. You did this to get that. Because human beings always want to explain what they don't understand. How can you just touch someone he falls down? You, did, you pushed him. It's not normal. It's that you did something. You are too powerful to be just praying and fasting. Is it only praying and fasting? Did it do pass somewhere? It's those rings you are wearing. We always want to put a, a meaning on something we can't explain. It's part of the blessing. I wonder if Abraham was in that day. They would say you sold your wife into halotry. That's why you are rich. That's what they would say. <laughs> I 
So this Nama became an expert in makeup, but she came and founded. You see, this thing they do, they go for juju pencil, juju makeup. It started from this woman. Her own, she used witchcraft with makeup to charm men. That's Nama. That's why Jesus often says something. I'm going to show you something. Jesus often made a statement and said, the coming of the Son of Man shall be like the days of Noah because it is going to be categorized by these type of women and men. Jubal is where you get the word jubilation, entertainment, excitement, music. Haven't you noticed that over the past 10 years, the need for music has escalated over 300%. And the way music is so prolific now, everyone is a star. Then there was Jabbar, who was the father of herdsmen and those that dwell in tents. He created nomadic farming systems and agricultural produce. Do you know recently Bill Gates has decided to start buying farms? He is now investing in farms. All his tech, he's moving tech to farms. It's going to characterize the end. That's what Jesus said. The coming of the Son of Man shall be like the days of Noah. So every category, women using charms. And you know, now you go online, it's so special cream, special pen, special this, and the man will send you money. I'm like, ah, child of God, child of God, child of God. <laughs> but this is what I want you to see their names weren't mentioned but when you come to the next batch Adam lived 130 begat Seth Seth lived 105 begat Enos Enos 90 begat Canaan Canaan 70 so their years were mentioned and they as if they did nothing because anytime you are working in crave and diligence seek your heavenly clock is recording your history. Anytime you go off course pursuing God, all that you pursued is recorded as waste of life. That's how heaven records things. Notice, when God called Abraham to leave his country and move to another country, he didn't leave. In Genesis 12, it's a summary. He says when he was 75, he left Haran. But in Acts chapter 7, Stephen gave us the original history and said, Brothers, fathers, men and brethren, our God of glory who called our father Abraham from who of the childish in the land of Mesopotamia did not leave but went to Karan and he tarried there till when he was 75 after Terah had died, then he left. So it means that God didn't record Abraham's years till he started obeying. All your years wasted in disobedience, it's gone. That day you stand before God and God say, how long have you been a Christian? You say, I've been a Christian for 20 years. God is so, it's true, it's true, it's true. Uh, but in that 20 years, you did certain things on your own. I was not part of it. It was nothing you did was a craving for me. So God would deduct and say, oh, 20 minus 2. Oh, you've been a Christian for just two months. Because when God asks all the hours, that anything you did was for him. It adds up to two months. 20 minutes here, 30 minutes praying, 40 minutes in church, two hours here, and it's like you are in church and you are itching. Can we close? Can we close? But when you go to a party, you're like, don't close, don't close. All those hours, 
God will add it up. <laughs> Please, Zajoko, amen. <laughs> but it's true, amen. Hallelujah, amen. So that's what happened. But this is what I want to show you. Adam means, and their names actually was a story. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means frail. Canaan is sorrowful. Maalel means the blessed God. Jared is calm down. Enoch is teaching. Hallelujah. Methuselah, the death to bring. Lamech, lamenting. Noah, comfort and rest. So when you add their names to men together, it means Adam, appointed, frail and sorrowful. The blessed the God shall come down, teaching the lamenting. He said, teaching the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death to bring the lamenting comfort and rest. So even their names told the story of the coming of Christ. That is why when you go to Noah, the story ended there. Because this is what God wanted to do. That even your life, your naming, the way you give birth, how you marry, everything must tell the story of Jesus. That is a craving. Everything about you is Christ. You don't go and hear some musician and say, oh, that name is nice. So let me name. No, 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 no. If Christ is not the reason why you name somebody, mm, it's not a nice name. It shows how craving you are. I just came to show you. I came to show you. Everything about you is Christ. Everything. You are for him. And that's it. Jesus finally meets this woman. And as I end, finally meets this woman at the well. And a woman comes in the afternoon, coming for water. Jesus is already waiting. And when Jesus, and usually it's a, very, it's a dangerous thing. Now, there, there are things that Jesus was doing that was break. I said to you, he broke records. One of the things was that the Jews don't mix with Samaritans. It's an error. In fact, when a Jew realizes that you're a Samaritan and you ate with them, he will break their plates. It's an abomination. Now, but that's why the good Samaritan, Jews passed and left the man dying. Sorry, um, 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 outsiders passed and left the man dying. When the Samaritan touched him, it was an error because you don't touch a Jew. You have, they have no dealings with them. They were all of the same family. But you know what happened? When some of the Israelites were taken to captivity, these people were behind and they rather didn't enter slavery. They rather married the foreigners and gave birth to mixed breed. So it's like they diluted the stock of God. So they said, no, all of them are polluted. That's why they are called Samaritans. They should stay in Samaria. They shouldn't be part of it. Number two, women were proposed to at wells. That's why Jacob's proposal was at the well. Almost all the proposals, Zipporah, Moses, all of them, they do it at the well. But this Jesus is waiting at the well for a woman who is noted, notorious husband snatcher. It's like, and what is this? His reputation. It's a stick. And he's seated there waiting. Number three, rabbis do not talk to women in public. They are wives. You can talk to your children, you can talk to your sons, but not your wives. So for a man who is called a rabbi, talking to a woman at the same time to at the well was breaking codes at every level. Jesus was willing to do that and sat there waiting. You have no idea what God will do to make things work in your life. You just don't know. 
Do you know, you see, human beings sympathize. God empathizes. It's two things. To sympathize means I join you in your struggle, but I don't feel it. I can sleep. Like when we, you know, when the whole, uh, I'm not reminding anybody of any, this thing, the whole toll gates thing. We were in Ghana, they were not killing any of us. We were just doing status, hashtag. We didn't feel the heat. So that's sympathize. We just joined the struggle. But those who were here, standing at the place, they were empathizing. Do you know what empathize means? You are in the pain, feeling it the same way the person is feeling it. So Jesus has not sympathized. He empathizes. So any pain you feel, he's feeling the same thing at the same time. That's what the prophet said. When they were afflicted, he too was afflicted. The Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 63. So when the church and Israel was afflicted, God was also afflicted. You think there's a pimple on your nose and you are concerned. God is more concerned that this pimple, this pimple, this pimple. Yeah, it's more concerning to God than you. You have no idea. I, I, I wish I could. No, have you ever counted the hairs of any of your children's head before? But the Bible says God is the one who has time. He has counted every hair. Can you imagine the kind of love and care, precision? I'm telling you, too precise. He said, cast your cares upon him. Second Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 7. First Peter 5, 7 and 8. For he careth for you. The word careth for you means that the law, the word care, the, the, the Greek means that the person has gone ahead of you and has secured your needs before you ever think you need it. That's the meaning of care. So God went ahead of you. 10 years, 20 years before you were born and procured it. It's like a husband who sees the wife and the way the wife is now growing her natural hair. Before she requests for natural products, he knows. So he just begins to put money down, contact some natural hair products people. So, and how much is it? Okay, 500,000 naira. Okay, 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 we are waiting, we are waiting. So the day it comes to you that, honey, I need some money. Oh, I knew. That's God. Even a man can do this. God, he cares for you means that he's not waiting till you ask. So he saw you need it and brought and put the provision down waiting for your request. Oh, why won't you seek this person? Why? 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 The one who will show up every time when people have left you. The one you will drop after things are okay and you will still be waiting, asking you, so when will you give me some time? The most powerful entity, not in the universe, or beyond the universe, because the universe lives in him, comes looking like he needs you. And you think he is not worth seeking. Ah. I always pray a prayer. I say, Lord, you know I'm a fool without you. It's true. All the people who are misbehaving in the world, young men, I could have been worse. All the people, I said, God, when someone even says, hey, this man of God, he's doing well, oh, I know that, Lord, you know if it's not you, I would have been worse. Because I sometimes sit and go like, and pastors will testify. There are days you can feel that, Charlie, if you don't take care, you break from persistent pursuit to normal church life because you've entered organization. When you press the button, everything can flow. So you don't need to stress yourself to kneel down and pray. No, 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 you are at a place where you know what button to press. You know what song to lift and the place will charge. So you don't really need any. That place, that's the place that you can miss the pursuit. Because you are used to the thing. You know him. You know what to press. But if the people are really thirsty, they will catch you. Because you are seven dry cups. A 
empty plates. He said powerful things, but I'm not full. <laughs> because I know God, I'm careful. As a prayer, I always pray, no matter the audience, Father, kill the flesh. We will not impress anybody here. Kill it, kill it now, kill it now, kill it now. And, it, and, it, and it kill it. Because sometimes Satan will take you ahead and say, you know, after the meeting, they'll come and say, it's powerful. You did well. Wow. Kill it before you hold mic. Do you know what happened? If they don't say it, you are fine. You won't be depressed. The master is happy. You are fine. Once Jesus is fine, he is all I want. I seek him. He sought this woman previous, sat at the well. And as he sat at the well, the woman showed up. And he made a request and said, can you give me water today? He said, ah. Then she was surprised. He said, you, number one, you're a Jew. You don't have to, we don't have dealings. Number two, how are you asking me for water when you didn't bring what you used to fetch it? What do you mean by what you are doing? Like, it doesn't work like that. And Jesus said, if you knew him that asked the water to drink, you wouldn't see what you're saying. And he said, if you knew that what I'm telling you, like the one sitting here has the access to eternal drink. He said, please, and show me that drink. As soon as that woman made that statement, then I realized where the story would turn to. She was not there to drink water. Do you know there are so many activities in a lot of believers' life? It is just to kill the failure to fill the craving they have. I'll show you. After this woman has a conversation with Jesus Christ, she leaves her bucket, runs to town to tell the people, come and see. Do you know after that discourse, she doesn't carry the bucket again. So she was not thirsty, but she was so empty, she was looking for anything to do. Sometimes your busybodiness is because you have not done the first thing. You have not sought him. So you watch the phone a little bit, you touch your laptop a little bit, you go to the kitchen a little bit, you want to go to town a little bit, you want to, you want to, you are, no, 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 no. But if you find that thing, no wonder he said to Mary in Luke chapter 10, verse 40 to 42, Mary has found that good thing and to never be taken away from it. I pray for you today. That job won't fill you. Because do you know what God gave man first? His presence. The first thing after Adam was created was not a wife, was not even a job. It was the presence of God. When God created Adam, Bible said he lifted him and put him in the garden of Eden. Eden means his presence and his delight. Out of the presence, he gave him work. And the work was to keep the garden and dress it. And the word dress it in the Hebrew means to bring to pass. It means to dress a thing means allow the thing's original purpose to function as it ought to be. And the Hebrew word for the, the Septuagint use the word egon. Egon means to become. So work is not work if you are not becoming what you are doing. That is why a lot of us change jobs. Because you are becoming something that is different from what you are doing. So you want a newer job. Because you have become something different from this job. So you feel empty. So with the presence of God, you will find what you must become. Purpose. If you have to be in a bank for a while, it's leading to what you must become. But without his presence, you will not know purpose. You will change jobs many times. Thinking that a better salary will serve it. But I'm telling you, they can pay you $20,000 a month. If you've not found purpose, you will still feel empty. 
you will still feel like quitting every morning. You will feel like losing. I remember when I was working in government, in the Ministry of Health, I was working for seven years. One day I woke up and said, God, I need to quit. And I realized that it's because I lost passion to go to work. You can just wake up and I wake up at 4 a.m., pray, study the Bible. But to leave the house so I get to work at 8, uh-uh. I'm just lying down. Rah, 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 rah. I've lost desire. I've, I knew that I have become something that this thing I'm doing does not match. That is work. I pray for you today. If you find him, it is said, if first things are first, second things will not be suppressed. The reason why you lose as if second things, the family, the children, the marriage is interfering is because you have not found the first. If you find the first, as a man of God, the rest will flow. Sometimes you'll be praying. And I remember one time I was praying, and God said, stop praying. Go and spend time with your wife. If you find him, it will be easy to be a good husband. Though you're a pastor. You'll be reading the Bible. God said, it's not time for Bible. It's time for the children. You know what to do because you found the first presence, presence, presence. And by the first, when they bring you a wife, you can't make a mistake because you found the first. When you misplace it, that's the problem. Today, she found the Lord. She didn't need water again. She left the bucket. And that was the end. That was the end. One woman who had six different men brought 3,000 men to the Lord. She found his purpose. Not knowing all the six she came into contact with was an ability she had to attract men, but not for herself, for the Lord. Somebody must find purpose in the seeking. When I seek him, I will understand where I'm going. When I seek him, I will understand my beauty. When I seek him, I will understand my wealth. When I seek him, I will understand my intelligence. When I seek him, all things will line up. And I will know why things happen the way they happen. I'd like you to bow your heads. Dear God. Dear God. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.